there's a, a way to honor athletes, uh, great athletes, the, the greatest ones make it into what they call the Hall of Fame. And that's the way they honor athletes. And the Bible actually has a Hall of Fame. It's called the Hall of Faith sometimes. And it's in Hebrews chapter 11. If you've ever read, or, um, yeah, read the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, um, Hebrews 11 talks about the Hall of Faith. It's mentioned some people that had great faith. It's the greatest quality, if you will, of, the, of a Christian, is their faith. The word faith really means trust. You trust in God. You have faith in God. Hebrews 11.6, the writer says this, If without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So you can't please God and you get no rewards unless you have faith in him, unless you trust in him. And in Hebrews 11, the first person that's mentioned that has faith, that's in the hall of faith, is uh, Abel. And Abel was Adam and Eve's son. And after Abel, um, they mentioned, the writer mentions Enoch, a man of faith, a Noah, and of course Noah's ark. And then there's Abraham. And then it's mentioned his wife, Sarah. And they had a child named Isaac. He's mentioned. And then his son, Jacob. And then his son, Joseph. And then if you get all the way down to verse 23, you find out that there's another couple that are mentioned with their faith. It's in Hebrews 11:23. In Hebrews 11:23, it says that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, it's interesting that it starts off by saying, by faith, Moses. But really, Moses didn't do anything. He was the baby. It was his parents that, by faith, they took care of him. They hid him. And we're going to look at that whole story today that goes back to Exodus 2, because I've been teaching through the whole book of Exodus, and we're going to kind of bounce back to Exodus 2, even though we're really in Exodus 24, if you've been uh, um, hanging out with us for a little bit. And I just want to welcome everyone that's uh, new, if this is your first time. I hope that you find it to be a welcoming place. There's good people here, I know that. And uh, so in Exodus uh, 2, we're going to look at that story, but it was by faith that Moses's parents hid their child. What were their names? You have to do a little digging. There's a couple different places that they're mentioned. Generally in the Bible, they're most of the time, uh, the person that's mentioned to follow like a genealogy, it is the men. It's the line of the men, even though the, that um, in some places women are mentioned. But Amram is Moses' father. Amram was his name. And his mom's name Moses' mom is Jochebed. Her name means Jehovah is glory. God is glory. So Jochebed is who we're going to hear a lot about today and as we go back to Exodus 2. But their name's not mentioned here in Hebrews, and it's, it's not mentioned even in Exodus, which is interesting. Amram is, but not Jochebed. You have to go in some other places to find her name. But she's a special mom. Um, that's the title I have for us today, just simply, Moses' Mom. Um, what, do you, what do you talk about on Mother's Day? You talk about a mom. 
And I asked my wife, you know, which mom? And we started thinking about Sarah. Maybe we'll talk about Sarah. But I said, hey, we've been talking about Moses so much. Let's talk about Moses' mom. But there's not a lot about Moses' mom in the Bible. Like I said, there's only a few passages that even mention her name. But the one main passage that we find out about the parents is in Exodus 2. And Jochebed actually did four things by faith that I find to be very important for us today and very relevant today. I'm, I'm, I'm one who is very pragmatic, and I preach the Word of God. I um, preach the truth of the Word of God, but I also want it to be applicable. If you can't take God's Word and apply it to your life, then it's not the living Word of God. And that's what the Bible says. It's living and active, and it's useful for us to teach us and correct us and train us up so we're prepared for life. And that's what the Word of God is. So we're going to get into it today. We're going to be encouraged by Jochebed and her faith her mom, uh, as a mom. So will you pray with me as we dive into the Word? And if you need a Bible, there's one in front of you, probably somewhere in a chair in front of you. And if not, we have some in the back. We'd love for you to take that as a gift. If you need a Bible, you can have that as well. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for today to celebrate our moms. But Lord, we're here to worship you and to honor you. Lord, you, 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 you show us through your son Jesus how important, how special uh, ladies and women are. Um, Jesus had an entourage of women who uh, supported him, encouraged him, built him up. Um, and we need women in our lives, all of us, moms, to take care of us, to pray for us, to nurture us, to protect us. We're so thankful for what we have, Lord. And we're thankful for this church in this body of Christ, as Naomi shared, we need each other. We need each other. The church needs one another to love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there's four acts of faith that we're going to get into. And the first one is, by faith, Jochebed recognized that her precious little baby was God's, uh, that God had a plan for him. God had a plan for her son's life. So if you want to open up to Exodus 2, we're going to go 1 through 10, but we're going to just take a couple verses at a time. Verses 1 and 2 are first. And uh, it says here in the text, Exodus 2, Exodus is the second book in the Bible. A man from the house of Levi, Amram, went and took as his wife, Jochebed, a Levite woman. So they were both from the Levite uh, family. Levi was the uh, son of Joseph. He, uh, excuse me, son of Jacob. He was one of the 12 sons making up the tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel today. And the woman conceived and bore a son, that's Moses. And when she saw that he was a fine child, that's the English translation, fine child, she hid him for three months. Now the Hebrews translation says that he was a beautiful child. So he's a fine child, he's a beautiful child, and let's be honest, every parent thinks that their child is beautiful. If you are a parent, if you have a child, you think they're, they're beautiful, even when they're born. I remember when our children were born, they came out of the womb, purple, wrinkly, and what I can only describe is some kind of cottage cheese stuck to their skin. When my son was born, for example, my wife had a C-section, there was a curtain that I got to stand behind and kind of console her, and as the doctors were doing their thing uh, with the surgery, and then it was time for Dad to stand up, 
look over the curtain and see his child. And I did, except they said, stand up too soon because only my son's head was sticking out of my wife's stomach. You've seen the movie Alien, you know what I'm talking about, okay? I was freaking out a little bit. But even that, my son was beautiful. He was beautiful. This precious child was beautiful. So everyone thinks that their child is beautiful. Amen, parents? Yeah. But this mention of this fine child, this beautiful child in Hebrews and Exodus shows that there's something a little different here about this child that they recognize. That perhaps the Holy Spirit stirred in Jochebed and Amram um, something that said, hey, this, this one, the, God's got a, a, a unique plan for this one. Uh, something is different. And I'm going to be honest, when you find out that you're going to be a parent, you do have a lot of thoughts that race through your mind. And you get a lot of questions. I mean, I remember the questions that, well, the general questions, you know, when you first find out you're pregnant, you know, do you want a boy? Do you want a girl? And all the guys, you know, typically say, yeah, boy, you know, depends, you know. Um, what names do you have picked out? You know, do you think that they're going to grow up and be just like you? You know, that, those are the questions that you generally get asked. And it starts, you start thinking about the future. You start thinking about, oh, what am I going to teach my son? Or what am I going to teach my daughter? And all those mistakes that I made, I'm going to make sure they never make them. <laughs> yeah, right. You try to do that. You try to protect them. But isn't it natural that when you have a child to want to make plans for the child? I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what you think about. Am I right? Am I all alone in this? Or Yes. Okay. So they were no different. Jochebed and Amram were no different. By the way, Moses is baby number three. It's their third child. When you, when you look at all the texts in the Bible about the, this family, you realize that Miriam is the oldest. She's the older sister. And then Aaron was born, Moses' brother, and then Moses is the third. And when you think about birth order, you think about, well, the first child. You know, when we had our first child, Ellie, she's now 18. Uh, but when you have your first child, you have no idea what you're doing. Am I right? Like, I remember going into Babies R Us trying to pick out baby bottles. How many different types of baby bottles do they make? I mean, every time I left that place, I was physically and emotionally exhausted. I don't know if it's still that way. I know they don't even have that store anymore. But wherever you go, it's like, it's crazy. Then you have your second child, and you think, okay, I got a clue. But it was a different gender. So now I'm like, okay, it's like a whole other thing. And, uh, you know, maybe if we, if we would have had a third child, maybe we would have been more prepared or thought we were more prepared. But then I hear the more children you have, you just let them do whatever they want. Yeah, you want to eat nails? Go ahead. Try it out. See what happens. You want to climb the telephone pole? Okay, why not? You know, I'll try to catch you. But you still make plans for them. But my question is, is what about God's plan for their life? Do you think about God's plan for your child's life? Jochebed and Amram immediately saw Moses was unique, God had a plan for him, and they began to prepare for it. They began to prepare for God's plan for his life. It's natural, it's normal for us to make plans for our children's lives, but do we think about making plans for what God has for them? 
And there's some things that we can do as parents and moms. I know that um, we always want to know, like, how can I do my best? We always want to do our best. Well, let me just tell you some things that I think about are important to prepare your child for God's plan for their life. You want to prepare your child? Here's what you can do. Tell them about God. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the Holy Spirit. Teach them about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And shepherd their heart. Every time we have a baby dedication, I give away the book, Shepherding Your Child's Heart. It's more than just raising them up the way that you were taught. It's shepherding their heart. Help them live a holy life. We've been talking a lot about holiness because that's God's ultimate goal for us, to be holy as he is holy. And how about forgiveness? Are you modeling forgiveness for your child? How about walking before them and then walking alongside of them and then walking behind them? There's a progress as the, as the child gets older. You usually, when they're young, you, you walk ahead of them. You, you do what I do. But then there comes a time where you just walk alongside them. And then you have to walk behind them, even if it's painful to watch. You still need to do it. And then you need to pray with them. Pray with them. And then you need to show them what a life of purpose looks like. A life of a, a, a godly purpose. So, again, it's normal. We have plans for our children. We want them to head off in a certain direction. We may encourage them and, and push them to do this or be that or whatever. But ultimately, are you preparing them for God's plan for their life? So, moms, help your child see God's plan for their life and trust in God's plan. That's what Jochebed did. She did that for Moses. And we can do that for our own children. Mom, say amen. amen. The second act of faith, Jochebed didn't give in to fear of the king's edict. So what's this king's edict? What's the, the law that the pharaoh put into place, the king of Egypt? Take you back to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. It's been a little bit, in case you forgot what the law was, the edict. Pharaoh commanded all his people, all the Egyptians, that every son born to a Hebrew, that's another name for Israelite, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. I mean, that's quite the law. That's, that's pretty oppressive there. That basically every male that is of the, the Israelite descendant, that they should be killed. That was his edict. Why? What was the issue? Why did he not like them? Well, if you remember in the beginning of Exodus, these Israelites were multiplying like bunny rabbits. I mean, they had, it is a supernatural growth rate. And in fact, I taught on this several weeks ago, back when we started in Exodus 1. The nation of Israel, from the time that they entered into Egypt, uh, with 70 people in their family until, and I had said that the, diff, the, the gap between Genesis and Exodus is like 400 years. Actually, the more I, I've done research and read about it, it could have only been a couple hundred years in between, depending on when you consider the start and end dates. So all that does is say, like, 
What I taught before, if it, if it was 400 years, it was a supernatural growth rate, birth rate, it's like super supernatural now, okay? I mean, it's crazy. Like, they were reproducing at a, at a rate that alarmed the Egyptians, scared them because they had so many people, and then this other nation is rising up with, in, with so many people that they were afraid of them, so they enslaved them. That, that, and, then, and then they basically put them to death. Like, if you're a Hebrew boy, you're going to die. So something was going on. Something was in the water in Goshen, okay, that they were producing. It was the Holy Spirit. All right, they had Holy Spirit water there, in case you were wondering. The king's trying to stop it. So you can imagine, you get pregnant, and your family gets pregnant. You're going to deliver. They didn't have ultrasound back then, so they had no idea if it was a girl or a boy until delivery time. And that baby comes out. If it's a boy, boom, you're afraid. Right now, because at any point, if a, any, and it was a, it was a law, if any Egyptian found out that there was a Hebrew boy, baby boy, they could kill it. Throw it in the Nile and kill it. That was the edict. So, when it says in Hebrews 11:23, back to that, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king's edict. Don't understand. Don't misunderstand, I should say. They had fear. They had fear because it's a normal reaction. It's an emotion. My, my baby is a boy. He could be killed. I, I, it's going to, I'm, I'm, you can use a different word if you want. But to say that they were not afraid is to say that their faith overcame their fear. Their faith was bigger than their fear. That's what it means when it says that they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, it's been a minute. I said my daughter's 18, my son's 15. Remind me again how often a baby cries from when they're born until they're three months old. Is that a lot? Is that, does that happen quite a bit? New parents, so we, can you answer that for me? Okay, they cry a lot. And so for three months, every time this baby cried, somebody could hear. And so that fear would, it's a trigger, boom, crying, baby's crying, oh, shh, 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 right? Every time. And so it's a constant thing that their faith had to overcome their fear. Folks, it's the same for us today, isn't it? We have all kinds of emotions, however we're wired, however our path, whatever's gone on in our past, and we have, we have negative emotions that come into our mind and our, and our body and we feel them, and it's a process of trusting in God so that our faith overcomes our fear. And that's what they did. Their faith overcame their fear. Every single time for three months, they had to overcome their fear with faith. Trusting God had a plan for Moses. God was going to protect this boy. When I was a kid, I remember many times um, asking my mom for permission to do something which was probably relatively stupid and dangerous. Uh, I wanted to do a lot of things, climb trees, ride motorcycles, take the boat by myself to go fishing, go hunting. Probably when I was like seven, I was asking this. I don't know how old I was, but I liked adventure as a kid. Now I'm old. Adventure to me is not stubbing my toe, going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, okay? But when I was a kid, danger like had no consequences. Most of the time, 
I'm like, let me do this, let me do this, let me do this. And if my mom would say most of the time, no, you know, trying to protect me. But sometimes she would cave, and if she caved, she would say, okay, listen, just be very careful. Be very, moms, you know what I'm talking about? Be very careful, because moms have this ability to conjure up in their mind the, I mean, the most ridiculous possible scenario, bad thing that could happen to their child. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you could win the lotto five times before this terrible thing would happen to your kid. Um, as a parent now, I think about the same things. Like, my son says, hey, can I spend the night with my friends? In my head, his friend is, uh, you know, lives on his own, has parties every weekend. He doesn't, but this is what I think in my head. So, uh, Ethan, you, you're right up here listening. You understand, you know, this is why we do this. Um, you'll do it too someday. Am I right? Amen? Yes? Okay. So here's the thing, though, about bad things happening to our kids. I'm not suggesting that in any way that if you just have faith, bad things won't happen to your kids. By the way, if this is your first time in church, you don't go very often, I hate it when Christians say that. You probably do, too. Just have faith, and nothing bad will happen. What utopia are you living in, bro? It doesn't work like that. Poop happens. Am I right? It happens all the time. So having faith means that you trust God will walk with you through it. That's why David wrote Psalm 23, verse 4. Verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, say it with me, church, I will fear no evil. Yeah. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm alone? No. Because you're with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's having faith. You have a faith in God. I pray nothing bad happens to my kids. I know you pray nothing bad happens. But I pray even more that if the bad happens, I respond with faith, trusting God. When my kids are treated unfairly, when they're hurt, when they're sick, when something bad happens to them, I pray I respond in faith, that I trust God is going to walk us through it. Just like Naomi read Romans 8.28. Do we really believe this? Romans 8.28 says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I think we sang a song about that today. Yeah. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, even bad things. So moms, may your faith in God overcome your fear for your child. Because until we go to be with the Lord or they go to be with the Lord, if you're a parent, you're never going to stop concerning yourself about with your child and their safety and their whereabouts and their protection and you want them to be um, safe, safe. And so you pray and you have faith in God that he is going to protect them. The third act of faith. By faith, Jochebed hatched a wild and crazy plan to protect and save her son. I'm telling you, when you read about this, if you really think about this, this is a wild and crazy plan. Exodus chapter 2. I'm just going to read it to you. I could paraphrase it, but I just think you just see it for yourself. This is the plan, okay? It's three months. She can't hide the child anymore. Like, she has to come up with a new plan. Hiding it's not, not going to work any longer. 
new plan. Here it is, verse 3. She could hide him no longer. She took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in the basket, placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. This is why some people say that Moses was a basket case. <laughs> and his sister stood at a distance, that's Miriam, to know what would be done to her little baby boy, brother. Now the daughter of Pharaoh, the daughter of Pharaoh, the, the king's daughter, came down to bathe at the river while her young woman, uh, women walked beside the river. So she had uh, helpers, and uh, probably to keep it private while she bathed. She saw this basket among the reeds. She sent the, her servant women to take it, and when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. That maybe Moses was a little colicky. I was just thinking about this. Like, he's crying here, so you know, maybe that's why that they had to come up with a new plan. Who knows? Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go? Now, this is interesting. His sister, Miriam, said to the Pharaoh's daughter. So she had some kind of access to the Pharaoh's daughter there that she was able to communicate. And she said, um, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said, Go. So the girl went and called her mom, Jochebed, Moses' mom. And Pharaoh's daughter said, take this child, nurse him, and I'll pay you. How do you like that? God's got a great sense of humor, doesn't he? If you trust him. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said, uh, I already read that. So the women took the child and nursed him. This plan, when you think about it, in some ways, is really crazy. I mean, I can think of lots of ways that this plan can go wrong. I, an alligator could eat the basket. This is the Nile River. <laughs> There's alligators in there that could eat this child. I mean, uh, the, the Pharaoh's daughter, she could have looked at the baby and said immediately, oh, Hebrew baby, be gone with it. Here's the Nile, drowned it. Like, that could have been her response. Her dad is not going to be happy that she's adopting a Hebrew child. Miriam, she's probably a teenage girl. She's probably taking selfies along the Nile. She could have messed up the plan herself. You probably can come up with some other ways that this plan wouldn't work. This is a wild and crazy plan to overcome the evil that is about to, that is, Danger, endangering Moses. So moms will do anything to protect and save their children. Am I right, moms? Yes. You will, yes. Because you made, God made you to nurture and to protect. So moms, I want you to hear this today. If you want to save your child from evil in this world, because moms, that's what you're hoping to do. Protect and save your child from the evil in this world. If you want to do that, then you need to make sure they meet the one, the one who overcame evil. There's only been one that is able to overcome evil. Colossians 2.15 tells us that Jesus disarmed the rulers and the authorities, put them to open shame. He triumphed over them. And the way he did that is when the devil found a way to have Jesus crucified because he was behind the scenes, and he was encouraging those 
people like Judas, who had a close connection with Jesus, Iscariot. And Jesus died on the cross, was crucified on the cross. The devil was like, yes, yes, I won. I beat God. No, you didn't. Third day, God raised him from the dead, beating the devil forever. Death has lost its sting. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is no longer condemned and can never be separated. So moms and dads, if you want to protect your children from evil in this world, then you need to introduce them to Jesus. Because he's the only one who can truly protect us from evil. Amen? Yeah. The greatest way to protect is to know Jesus. Have you ever said these words, Mom? I just want my child to be happy. Yeah, I know you have because I hear it a lot. This is the way for them to be happy. They need to know Jesus. If you send them out into this world, it's like sending them out to a gun knife or to a gunfight with a little butter knife. How many of those fights are you going to win? Not many. Even if you're Jackie Chan, all right? You are not that good. This world is, the prince of this world is the evil one. They need Jesus. So you don't need to have this wild and crazy plan like Jochebed. You just need to give them Jesus. You plant the seed, you water it, and God makes it grow. And you give them a fighting chance. They need Jesus. So moms, give them Jesus and you'll save him from evil. The final act of faith, by faith Jochebed surrendered her son to the Lord's work. This is the last verse of Exodus 2. When the child, uh, last verse I'm reading today, when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son. And she named him, not what they would have named him, she named him Moses. Moses actually means I drew him out of the water, his name we talked about that um, in the past. But the first part of that verse, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son. Jochebed was able to take care of her own son for, I don't know, a year, two years, however long you wean a child, you breastfeed a child, you nurse them. Some say in the past it could have been up to five years. Who knows? But she had this child for a little while. She probably taught him all he could understand and handle at that age. But eventually she knew this day was coming that she would have to surrender her son to Pharaoh's daughter. And some would say, wow, man, you are giving your child to the enemy. You're giving him to be raised up as an Egyptian, but she was trusting that he was going to do the Lord's work. Remember, she recognized that God had a plan. God had a plan for Moses. He was a fine child. He was a beautiful child. And so she was trusting. And what's interesting is, is many times we see this in the Bible, and we don't always put it together because we don't see the, the time lapse. You know, like Abraham was promised a child, and it was 20 years later that he got the child. Moses was born, recognized that he was to do the Lord's work, but it wasn't until he was 80 that he actually got called by God to do the Lord's work. In fact, the first 40 years of his life, he enjoyed the sin of living as a royal person in Egypt. It says that in Hebrews 11. It wasn't until he was 40 that he began to do the Lord's work. 
Hebrews 11, verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was grown up at 40, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So for 40 years, he lived in the household of Pharaoh. But at, verse, at 40, verse 25, it says, he chose to be mistreated with the other people of God, the Israelites, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And I always like to point that out. You know, there's times where people are living in sin and it looks like they're having fun. Because they are. Because sometimes sin is enjoyable. It's pleasurable. That's what it says in the Bible. So there, you want to take that out of context? Go ahead. Take it out of context. But it's a fleeting pleasure. Whatever it is that happens to be your thing that's not of God, it will probably destroy you and it fleets, it, it goes away. It never truly satisfies. Trust me, I know. For 25 years, I lived enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Lived my life for me. Partying, doing whatever I wanted to do. But it never truly satisfied. It's what drew me to the Lord. The Lord said, look, you see how unhappy you are at the end of this? When it goes away? You need me. Because I will always satisfy. So Moses was 40 when he finally realized, hey, this just isn't working. Like, this is not what God has planned for my life. Me living the, the good life, living the dream. It, it didn't satisfy him. God had a plan. What drew me to the Lord? The Lord opened my eyes, but I always give credit to my mother, who's here today, because she... She prayed, she asked her ladies Bible study that she was a part of for many years to pray, and they were praying for me when I was out at college, way up north, and uh, enjoying the pleasures of sin. She was praying, 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 and at some point, I, I love the persevering prayers of a mother. Don't ever stop praying, moms because you don't know. I was 25, Moses was 40. At some point, at some point, you keep on praying, trusting that God can do what only God can do. So moms, I ask you that you surrender your child to the Lord. Jochebed had surrendered her child to the Lord, to his work, and you keep on praying. And I think what we're seeing here at Life of Purpose is we're seeing a lot of people stepping up to the Lord's work. That's probably why so many are excited to be a part of this. You know, as I, as I have a lot of conversations and, and enjoy um, catching up, it's really um, nice to see how excited you are that God is doing what he's doing in our midst as part of this, this church. And uh, I'm thankful, honestly, that it's not about me. This church is not built on me. I am not the rock in which you stand. Jesus Christ is the rock in which you stand. He's the cornerstone. He is the one who builds this house and this is his house. This is not my house. This is his house. I actually, had, somebody had asked me that question. Um, it was a, a non-Christian, and he said, you know, who owns your church? 
And I just thought that was an interesting question, you know, and, and to me, ultimately, God owns his church. This is his church, and we serve him for God's glory. So on a day like Mother's Day, as we think about what God is doing in our midst, let's keep praying, let's keep walking in faith as Jochebed did. She walked in faith. And I, I just want to um, ask that if you're a mom or if your mom played a role in your faith, if your mom played a role in your faith, will you just raise your hand so we can all see, like, if your mom, so just look around, like, look how many people your mom played a role. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now, if you had another woman who was like a spiritual mother to you, raise your hand. If you had another woman who was a spiritual mother, yeah. aren't those special people in our lives? All right, now, if you're a mom, if you're a spiritual mom, I ask that you would stand, and we're going to pray for you. So moms, spiritual moms, pray. We're going to pray for you. And if you're with this wonderful woman that's standing, will you just kind of put your hand on her shoulder or hold her hand, and we're all going to be praying for these moms. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for these wonderful special ladies. God, you have done so much through them, and I ask that you would just encourage them and build them up. God, give them Give them a confidence, a, a supernatural confidence to keep doing what they're doing. Father, help them to know that you, you love them and that they, uh, this church loves them. And Father, I thank you and I pray that you bless them in a mighty way, a way that they know it's from you. And I pray you keep encouraging them through this church. In Jesus' name. And the church said...